welcome to episode 149 of the Two Guys a Glove and a Cook Bottle podcast. He's Thomas Todd. He's Danny Zarchi. And the Giants, uh, well, we're Giants fans, and today's a good day. Thomas, what happened today? Well, most of my fears almost came true. And okay. the Giants. So the spiders were, appeared in your in your bedroom. The Giants were on a track to play four consecutive winnable games and lose them all. Yes. Fortunately, somehow in the second game, backed into a win and clinched the NL West. So, uh, and I heard somebody put it this way, and I think it's it's good framing. The Giants came into the end of the season, 162, 160 games done, and the Giants faced a situation where there were going to be four chances to make it to the the uh, the greater playoffs outside of the wild card, and all they had to do was win one. It was game one sixty one, game one sixty two, uh, game one sixty three. If it would have happened, or the wild card, it, the only if the Giants lost all four, uh, they would have been out, and probably deservedly so. Um, and they won uh, number two. The game they won game one sixty two. Today, uh, Thomas and I are recording Sunday evening, and uh, it's been a good day. It's been an excellent day, and I'll give credit to Chad King from TortureCast, who was the one who put that on Twitter uh, earlier this weekend. So uh, I, I saw that as well. A rare bit and... of credit to, to TortureCast, and a second bit of credit to Chad King from TortureCast, who yesterday pointed out that in games he has been to in person and covered, the Giants are something like two and seven and decided to specifically not go today to break the curse. And Chad, uh, and, and as a result, he missed out on the festivities. He missed out on being in the clubhouse if, if they would have let those jokers in there. So I just want to say, Chad, thank you. Uh, you made the difference. This was because had, of you. I had to mute him on Facebook because I could not deal with the weekly post about like, I had a great time, but the Giants lost. I had a great time, but the Giants lost. It's like, please stop doing this. You're you and Chad us. are friends on Facebook. I'm so jealous. Uh, Chad has been my co-host on a terrestrial radio show. Like, come on, man. We're homies. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and if the uh, four games to go need to win just one sounds at all familiar, um, let's rewind to uh, 2020, not that long ago, when the Giants were facing the uh, – the end of the season, they had a four-game series against the Padres. They won the first game, and they had they had it in their hands. All they had to do was win one, and they would have made their way into the wild card. Um, and what, what did they do, Thomas? They lost a lot. They lost all three. They lost three in a row, and they uh, missed out on the wild card. And you can blame the umpires, and, like, that's fair. You know, I don't, still don't think that pitch just later was a strike. But uh, they had three chances to win, and they went over three. And, uh, you know, it, it just it didn't make – this series comfortable, even when they'd been winning all year, they're better than the Padres and uh, it should by all rights feel comfortable, but uh, it didn't. Well, we have to mention too, that the giants did have the luxury of having their own destiny in their hands the last two games, but credit to the Dodgers who just keep winning. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I, there are rivals, obviously. We don't want them to do well. They don't want us to do well. But, you know, I saw something on Twitter today where Dave Roberts, former Giant, said, oh, you know, the Giants, they, they took it from us. Uh, they, they, took, they took the NLS from us. And people were giving him shit in the comments. And it's like, no, in the replies. And it's like, no, like, he, I mean, first of all, in the article, it's, it's meant as a compliment saying they, they took it. But also, Dave Roberts, you did a hell of a job. The, yeah, the Dodgers played, are incredible, and they, uh, the Giants they perf- beat them. They performed better than the San Francisco Giants did this season. You can look in the standings, and you can see 107 wins for the Giants and the Dodgers 106 wins, and you can say, well, the Giants were the better team. But you start to break it down and piecemeal it out, and you see things like the Dodgers had a 56-run higher run differential than the Giants did by the end of the season. And you look at something like expected win-loss, and based on their run uh, uh, for and against, they should have won 109 games. Based on Pythagorean uh, win-loss? Yeah, based on win-loss expectation. So, yeah, I mean, obviously what counts is the wins, but when you look at how a team performed, and if you do an analysis of both rosters, I don't think there's anyone who could really say the Giants were better 
I mean, I got yeah. I got one reply from a reply guy on Twitter to my prediction that the Dodgers would beat the Giants in the NLDS, and we can get into that in a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> but but he came in with the Giants are going to crush the Dodgers because they had more wins in the regular season and they beat them in the season series. And I'm like, my dude, 107 to 106 and 10 to nine is not a crush. Yeah, no. It, if if the if the Giants end up playing the Dodgers in the NLGS, um, and if the Giants end up winning, it's going to go going to go the distance. Like it, it should be. They they should pass a new rule that that series can be seven games instead of five just because it's going to be absurd the only time when 10 is significantly more than nine is in bowling <laughs> um so yeah i mean all all the all the power i mean all the respect for the dodgers and i mean and this is you know this is with guys like bellinger who you know former mvp playing like garbage for the whole season um i mean they took the rotting husk of alvar pujols and they got they got you know productive innings from him i mean it's just like they they did some magic this year and uh you know i think dave fleming was saying on the radio that at the in the preseason when they announced um the projected win loss the dodgers were predicted to win or were projected to win more games than the projection system had ever predicted for anybody and they beat it uh <laughs> They were projected to win, you know, 100 or 102 or something like that. And they did much better than that. Yeah, it's absolutely wild. I mean, they and they did that in a season where they had to play against a team that beat them in the season series in the division. You know how hard it is to rack up 106 wins while losing nine games to one particular team? Or, sorry, is it a lot harder losing, than getting 107 losing. wins when losing nine games against a particular team? Right. But I'm just saying that, you know, when you're talking about chasing a, a projection number, which the yeah. Giants cleared, I think, in what, June? <laughs> right. 73 <laughs> wins or something like that. I just saw somebody on Twitter bragging that they they predicted the Giants would win 80 plus games. And my dude, yeah, 80 plus 27. Nice work on that prediction. You know, it's funny. I'm looking at the Dodgers season series against opponents and it's not quite as lopsided as the Giants. I mean, they went 16 and three against the D-backs. Um, but then against a lot of teams, they either split it um, or, you know, they either went three and three or three and four or four and three. Um, but where they got their wins were six and zero against the, uh, the Pirates, um, 12 and seven, which is not overwhelming against the Padres and seven and zero against the Nationals. Thanks for nothing, Nationals. Whereas if you look at the Giants, well, here's here's our first trivia of the day. Um, the Giants only lost their season series, lost, so not a tie, against um, four teams. Can you tell me how many of those can you name? You're telling me the Los Angeles Dodgers have four losing records against no, no, the Giants. Teams the Giants, the Giants, the Giants had four losing records against a specific team this season. Can you name any of them? Here goes nothing. The Atlanta Braves. Uh, no, uh, three and three. The St. Louis Cardinals. That's correct. The Giants went two and four against the Cardinals. That's actually the worst record of, uh, that's the worst the Giants did against any team, except even with another one on this list. Okay. So none of them are in the NL West. It's not, uh, well, is it the Padres? No, the, they finished 11 and eight against the Padres. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'm out then. So one of them was the first season series of the season, Mariners. Right. The only time we played them. They went one and two against the Mariners and three and four against the Brew Crew. Thanks, Levon. Uh, and then three and four against the Pirates. Good God. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot. Whereas the Giants had a, a bunch of really good series. Like like they went six and one against the Cubs and the Reds. Uh a lot and it's funny because uh, it doesn't l looking at these numbers matches my memory very well in that they didn't sweep anybody so a lot of six and one six and one two and one three and one five and one three and one yeah, Danny, yeah they no. had multiple winning streaks of seven or eight games so they had to have swept somebody yeah i, I just mean in the season series uh they they didn't they didn't sweep any team 
in the season series. They did win and go 17 and two against the D backs, which is the best the Giants have done against any team in a, se- in a season. You can, break, you can break that up into three individual teams and say they swept two of them and then went like seven and two against one of them. Yeah, well, let's do that. Oh, wow. They, they sure did beat that New Orleans team. Well, the, uh, the Portland, uh, you know, Portland five Pickles. and zero against Portland, five and zero against uh, Omaha, and then seven and two against the D backs. All right, Danny, let's let's roll it back a little bit. We're talking a little uh, big picture end of season. Let's get into the nitty gritty of this game today because we've seen a lot of Giants clinch games. We've seen clinch games to go to the World Series. We've seen amazing wild card performances. We've seen divisions get closed out. How memorable for you is the Logan Webb game going to be? I think it's very memorable because, you know, Logan was one of the big uh, one of the big stories of this season. They finally had a homegrown pitcher. I mean, who finally? Yes, yeah, finally, Lincecum, Kane, Bumgarner. That was a long finally, time ago. Okay, finally, this, this guy era. came along. Oh my god! You're so you know, the Giants have been able to have a bunch of guys come up and do well from the minors. And that largely hasn't been the case for starting pitching. I think that's safe to say, at least for the last several years. Are you telling me Ty Block is not winning the Cy Young next year? Oh, my God. I love Ty Block. What happened to him? <laughs> um, you know, Tyler Beatty's, you know, may still turn into something. But anyway, yeah. So they had a guy who came up and, and looked great. And, you know, I think I said earlier in the season that I didn't really believe in him that well, but he came back and just. He, he shoved as, uh, as Alex Pavlovich would say. Um, and not only that, but this game really, really tracked the uh, clinch game in 2010, which if you remember, the Giants went into the last three games of the series of the season, needing to win one and they lost the first two. And then our boy, Jonathan Sanchez uh, came in, pitched a hell of a game and hit an RBI triple uh, today. Logan Webb came in, pitched great and hit not only a, not only the first Giants hit of the game, but he also hit, he also walked and he hit his first major league home run. So I think it was a very memorable game. Yeah. And he pitched into the eighth inning. We can argue about uh, whether he should have been in the eighth inning, which uh, we can get into if you feel like, but eventually gets hung no. four runs, eventually gets four runs on his record. So it's not going to look that impressive in the stat line, but if you look at the box score and you see how, far ahead the Giants were and how uh, tired their bullpen was uh, going into this game. You kind of know that it was, it was mostly necessary that Logan Webb soak up some innings and, and kind of go on cruise control there uh, into the eighth inning. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at Webb's season, it's, he ends up, he finishes the season with a 11 and three record uh, three Oh three ERA um, with a 2.72 FIP, which means that his peripherals are even better than his results. Um, just incredible. I mean, really, really great season. So Thomas is Logan Webb, the ace we've been waiting for. Is he the prince who was promised? He's a baby ace right now. You know, the giants don't really have a top line starter. Gossman was excellent this season and profiles forward as a very, very good starting pitcher, but he's not, he's uh, not. So he's not Azor Ajay or whatever. Azor Ajay. No, the prince who was promised. No, that's John Snow. Okay. Um, <laughs> also, uh, also Tyrion Lannister's a Targaryen. Just throwing that out there for anyone who's listening who cares. Um, but no, the Giants have to be super excited to have Logan Webb in their future. And uh, Kevin Gossman, too, uh, if uh, he goes out on the market, he's going to get a heck of a deal. Did you see that he had the greatest strikeout rate in Giants history this season, surpassing Gossman? Tim Lincecum? Yes. Uh, no, I didn't. That's incredible. Part, part of that's era, you know, the last 12 yeah. years have been a strikeout of Palooza. But. So, um, I mean, that does kind of uh, bring us to something we can talk about going forward, which is, uh, you know, who are the, which of these guys are going to stick around, which of these guys, you know, are maybe not going to be uh, getting, getting, uh, you know, on Kapler's Hanukkah card list. Does your offseason start now? Is that, is that where you're at? <laughs> No, I mean, but we can start to talk about it. Um, let's not talk about the the aging veterans uh, who we love, but guys like Di Sclafani's not under contract next year. Um, uh, you mentioned Gosman is a free agent next year. Uh, do you think those guys get qualifying offers? It seems like seems like obvious unless unless they resign before that, right? Yeah, I don't see why they don't get qualifying 
qualifying offers. It's, you know, do they take the qualifying offer? Do they negotiate in good faith with the Giants or is there more money out there on the market? But I think with the team's accelerated timeline and fairly decent payroll situation, I think they're going to be able to sign at least one of those guys. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I think the the um, qualifying offer system was kind of ostensibly to help uh, low, you know, small market teams um, get some sort of draft compensation when the big market teams just bought out all their players. But it's funny because it's it's kind of, it just helps Farhan wherever he goes, right? It's like if you have these teams who can just develop players out of nothing and, uh, you know, take some, take a post-hype prospect, something like that, and just turn them back into a superstar and then slap a qualifying offer on them, you're either going to get a, an affordable player or you're going to get a draft pick. And it can really help rebuild the farm system. Yeah, it's like, you know, going out in the dating pool you find a fixer-upper. And then you pawn them off on your friends. That's exactly what I was going to say. So, okay, let, let's not talk contracts yet. Um, let's talk more about uh, about this game. So Logan Webb, it's his first career home run. We saw a good rally from the rest of the team too. Um, so uh, the NLDS doesn't start until Friday. We have the wild card game to watch and, you know, channel our Cardinals devil magic on Wednesday. Um, what are you going to do this week? I have so much to do at work and in my personal life that I welcome this reprieve from my nightly burden of four hours of (laughs) crying into my blanket and, you know, drinking a lot of water because I'm nervous. (laughs) Like I, I always kind of think people who, you know, go to church, spend hours in church every uh, Sunday or Saturday. um, You know, it's not something that I really understand, but um, I spend like, 18 hours a week watching this team, you know, 20 something hours. Like it's, uh, <laughs> we all have our, we all have our, uh, our religions that we put our, give our tithe to. And with the way things are in the world with, you know, thing events being limited by the pandemic with an MLB TV subscription, yes. I don't work at night anymore. Like the, the, the planets have aligned for me to watch the most giants baseball possible. But at some point, it feels like a punishment. It doesn't feel like uh, an exciting <laughs> feels like you're possibility. Being tortured. Yes, it feels like I'm being tortured. It feels like I'm being forced to watch these things, even though I'm the one doing the forcing. But I will say today, in a game like today, one of the great things is you go in with so much intense energy and you go in with so much terror that when the Giants go up seven to one, I just started doing chores. Yeah. I took out the trash. I threw in a load of laundry. I cleaned the cat dish. I never cleaned the cat dish. Did <laughs> it was wonderful to go and clean the cat dish during I'm sure a your cat day. appreciated that. Oh, she hated it. She hates anytime I go near her food and don't put anything in it. Yeah, fair. So a game like today was ideal. This is what I want in a clinch game. I don't want Brian Wilson 2010 torture. I want smooth sailing and a win. That sounds good to me. So uh, let's look at some closing numbers. Um, something we've talked about a bunch this season are the um, baseball reference major league baseball wins above average by position. It's been a very interesting glance. Exactly. So the Giants finished uh, the season with the second most wins above average by position behind the Dodgers. Um, they're fifth among pitchers, uh, sixth among starting pitchers, which put them second among, uh, second by, uh, relief pitcher, which is a massive change. I mean, if you remember a couple months into the season, we were looking at this chart and the starting pitchers were number one and the relief pitchers were like in the negative three war or something like that. And so, um, it's just, you, you really can't overemphasize how the bullpen turned around especially with guys like, you know, Leon and um, Harlan, the Marlin and Alvarez and guys like that, who are great, not to mention Camilo, my God, but we'll get to that. Um, Giants finished uh, fourth at catcher uh, first uh, um, fifth at first base uh, below average at second base, about average at third, fourth place with short, 
And then uh, outfield, uh, you know, not as great. Um, they finished ninth um, in the league at average. And then second in the league at pinch hitter, uh, which, you know, one of the things they did this year, among all the other records they took down, was uh, they set the major league record with the most pinch hit homers um, with, I believe, 18. So uh, in the most pinch hit at bats as well. Right. So, you know, that's that's a thing that the uh, Kapler Harris Zaidi Giants love to do is pinch hit, you know, go for those platoon advantages. And um, a lot of that is, uh, yeah, it's pinch hitting and then leaving the guy in. And uh, the overall pinch hit numbers weren't great. You know, like they had 18 homers, but they were they batted in the 100s. But, you know. Those homers were great, and they really helped the Giants win a bunch of games they probably wouldn't have if uh, if not for that timely home run. It's okay to hit like late career Adam Dunn as a pinch hitter. It's fine. <laughs> the big donkey. Um, the other thing I was looking at is that you know even from guys who on the team maybe disappointed in their overall numbers, they did really well in high leverage situations. You know, so you have a guy like Wilmer Flores who. He did hit a bunch of home runs, um, but his overall slash line, he had a 782 OPS, um, which is a good amount worse than his 830 OPS he had last year. But if you look at his clutch numbers, he was fourth on the team um, in OPS in clutch situations, in, in high leverage situations. He had a 964 OPS in um, in high leverage, in, in the at-bats that baseball reference at least classifies as high leverage which is um, the three, three people above him. Uh, do you think you can name them? I, I, I think I have at least two. Okay, go for it. I mean, we're going to start off with late night Lamont. <laughs> or as Greg Papa keeps trying to make happen, La Ninth. No, La No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, late, uh, late night Lamont has a 407 batting average and a 1079 OPS in high leverage situations, with both of which uh, lead the team, yes. Those are Correct. beer league softball numbers. He's a 500 BABIP, which doesn't seem sustainable. You and your acronyms, man. Uh, another one of the two, the other one of the three, the two remaining, I believe one of them is Brandon Crawford. That's correct. Uh, he's third with a 336 batting average and a 1028 OPS in high leverage situations. Um, and so can you name number two? So I'm missing number two in yes. high leverage situations. Is there an at bat minimum or plate appearance minimum? Uh, no, but I can tell you how many he has, if you'd like, please, uh, 72 plate appearances. Oh, that's no fun. I mean, <laughs> as, as comparison, Lamont Wade is 61 plate appearances. Oh, in high leverage situations. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. I, I got you. I got you. Is it Brandon belt? It is his Brandon mate, uh, Brandon belt with a 322 batting average and a 1072 uh, OPS in high leverage situations, including five homers. Crawford had seven homers in such situations. But the point is that a guy like Wilmer Flores and Donovan Solano, who's actually fifth on this list, both of whom kind of disappointed with their overall numbers compared to previous seasons, they still came through in the clutch situations like we saw with Wilmer today uh, with his RBI double, I believe, to really break open the game. I forgave Johnny Barrels his entire season when he hit that home run. Here's, a, here's another uh, more depressing question. Can you name the, let's say, everyday starter or, you know, at least four or five days a week starter that's lowest on this list? By the way, I'd like the audience to know I got all three of those right. I'm having a Milky Way to reward Hell myself. Yeah. That makes for great radio. So we're talking about high leverage situation, someone who's terrible. Correct. All right. Uh, everyday player. I'm going to say it's my guy, Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant is actually sixth on the list. He's right behind Donovan and, uh, and Wilmer. Um, he does not Chris have one. He does not have one clutch hit. Chris Bryant. And it's possible that this includes his Cubs numbers. Although I don't yeah. think so. Does not have one clutch hit for the giants. Get out of here. Uh, Chris Bryant in clutch situations at a 294 batting average and 948 OPS. Your numbers lie. Your acronyms lie. <laughs> Uh, okay. okay. What, what's your other guess? I don't know. Longo. Longo was middle of the pack. He had a 715 OPS, but a uh, 167 batting average. So not I'm great. I'm running out of dudes. Is it rough? Like I don't know. Rough was a little don't, lower. No. Don't okay, say I'll, Posey. Don't say Posey. 
No, no, Posey was ninth. He okay. was uh, after Bryant came Listella, then our guy Jason Vossler. Oh boy, they kept they kept counting his stats, and then uh, and then Posey. Um, so the uh, the the name I was looking for was um, twenty twenty MVP Mike Yastrzemski. Wait, yeah, this was bad in clutch situations. He was in uh, in high leverage situations. In set and ninety one plate appearances classified as high leverage, he had a one forty eight. Oh no, he had a one fifty two batting average and a five eighty six OPS. See, I wiped that all away because of that one grand slam against Arizona. Yeah, the only uh, the only guy who at any point was an everyday player who was worse than him was Mauricio Dubon, unfortunately. I forgot about him. Oh no, I love I Dubon. I love I, I love you. Dubon too. But you saw in the season that uh, they really favored Estrada over him. Um, Estrada was getting the call-ups even when Dubon wasn't. Dubon hit well in the minors, but then even after he got his call back, uh, he he didn't hit very well in the majors after that and finished the year in the minors. Um, he still played a big part in the season. And, and like I said on Twitter, like I really hope he and Estrada and these guys who were around a lot this season – but are in the minors now. I hope they, you know, I hope they get to celebrate. Like they should have just stayed with the team and hung out in the clubhouse and, uh, you know, drank champagne. Um, I, I feel bad for Dubon. He plays on other types of teams, even other types of good teams. Like there are other teams that made the playoffs this year who would have had a roster spot for Dubon. But the way this roster is constructed, there's a lot of pretty good players. It's not yeah. like a bunch of elite talent, and then you have to fill in the last few spots on the bench with okay major league talented guys. There's no room on this roster, as we've seen as everybody's been getting healthy. It's become a crunch, and not every roster is like that. So Dubon, just a little bit of bad luck on his part. Grant, uh, our friend Grant Bis- Brisby at The Athletic had a really good article, I think a couple weeks ago, where he was talking about how the Giants' um, offensive success has kind of come not just because um, of their ceiling, but because of their floor. That if you look at the players across the Giants, the uh, you know they don't have many 150 plus um, OPS plus players, or maybe it's WRC squared players. But one of those rate stats where you say is WRC average. squared, WRC <laughs> you're plus. Up, you're coming up with new ones, man. WRC you're, plus. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to slip these by me so that I sound stupid on the radio because I don't know about your fancy stats. Uh, Do you want me to share my screen screen with you right now and show you how many tabs I have open? No, 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 that's okay. Because the answer is zero. I'm looking at your face and talking to your body and just spewing my own facts. Um, I shouldn't have eaten that Milky Way. (laughs) Yeah, it got you all riled up. Can't have sugar after midnight. Oh, no. Um, But the point that, that... Grant was trying to make and thank you for delaying long enough for me to find this article. You're welcome. Um, it's based on OPS plus, which is an, uh, an adjusted number, which means that hundred is average below hundred is bad above hundred is good. Um, the point that he was trying to make was that if you look at the uh, 50 OPS plus players or worse, it's zero. Uh, if you look at the 75 OPS plus players or worse players, it's two Mike Talkman, the dearly departed, and Tommy Listella, who had you know zero at bats at that point, and ended up with much better numbers than that. Um, whereas the OPS plus, uh, the 100 OPS plus or better players are there are 11 of them, um, and then 125 or better there are five, and 150 or better is one, which was Darren Ruff. Um, so the, the point is that um, they just really didn't have any holes in the lineup. They had guys all the way up and down the lineup who, especially thanks to, you know, Kapler's machinations were often hitting with advantage um, and were, could all be counted on to have a good at bat, to grind, to take a bunch of pitches, foul off a bunch of pitches. And, you know, any one of them could come up with the big hit and many of the, you know, and did. The only player, and I've said this on the show before, the only player we were counting on to be a regular player and you could even couch that by saying that maybe not because we had Tommy Lastella was Donovan Solano. He was the only should have been regular who underperformed the season. You know, you can say Yaz underperformed, but he hit a bunch of home runs and he played some good defense. So I, I'm not really going to call Yaz's season not successful. Um, yeah, I, I mean, would say that I would say that about Donovan Solano and like nobody else. 
I mean, Yastrzemski finished the season with a 768 OPS, which is not as good as it was last year. It's a hell of a lot better than the Orioles thought he would be um, right. when they traded right. him away for nothing. Well, and um, Danny, please don't pile on the Orioles. <laughs> <laughs> they had a hard enough year. Um, but he finished with a, a 106 OPS plus, which does take into account um, park factors. So which is something we haven't heard much about this season with the Giants just mashing home runs in San Francisco. But, um, you know, on the whole, uh, and if, if you look at wins above replacement, he finishes a 2.6 war player. So he was yeah. easily a fixture in the lineup. He's a guy that every team could have used. Um, and he, you know, which is a very productive thing to have on the team. And, and the point of Grant's article is just, they didn't have any bad players. They just, everyone was cromulent or better. You mentioned Mike Talkman. Well, they, they ended up, you know, getting rid of him for a reason. He should, uh, he should return to the team and, and steal home runs during BP. <laughs> I, I mean, I hope wherever Mike Talkman is right now, he's doing okay. You know, he, he, he won us three games, and without those three games, the Giants would be in the wild card right now. He's in a better place. In a farm upstate? I, I mean, actually, yeah. I, I, I currently live in a state that we have an upstate, so uh, maybe I'll look for him up there. Actually, the farm upstate is Cooperstown here, so uh, probably not <laughs> for Talkman. Um, and by comparison, do you even remember who Talkman was traded for? Who Talkman was traded for? Who so the Giants a- traded away to get Talkman? It was a trade with the Yankees. Yes. And it was a pitcher. Yes. That we didn't need. Well, that was right when the bullpen was, you know, melting down, but I'm not sure he would have helped. Oh, right. It was a relief pitcher. And it was, yeah, it was somebody who we thought was pretty good. I'm not going to remember who it is. Wandy Peralta. Wandy. Oh, Wandy. Um, for the Yankees, Wandy Peralta had a 2.95 ERA in 42 and two thirds innings, but a 4.39 FIP because he, uh, walked a whole bunch of guys. So see you in the, see you in the World Series, bro. Yeah, <laughs> this is gonna be like 2010 when uh, Chris Ray and uh, Benji Molina, you know, end up meeting and handing rings to each other. That was real cute. Um, so point being that a bunch of these guys had really good seasons. You know, even when they didn't, even if they didn't hit, you know, our lofty MVP ex- uh, expectations the Giants got to a place where they could start a roster, uh, start a lineup that was just good across the board. And Did it's going to be even around? better when, uh, you know, once the DH comes in. Oh, oh I'm going to throw up. <laughs> is, 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 is that what's going to happen as soon as uh, the, the extra runner, the second base run, the Manfred runner goes away, they're going to bring the DH just to keep me perpetually sickened. Like Rob uh, Manfred yes. has some like Munchausen's by proxy thing going on where I have to be disgusted with baseball at all times. Um, I know the answer to this and the answer is yes, because oh. my friend Rob tells me these things. Okay. Um, speaking of things that make you feel good, did you stick around for Kapler's speech after the game? I listened to it on the radio. It was very touching. Now, do you think that Bruce Bochy could have given that speech? <laughs> I <laughs> could have or would have. Either? Uh, yeah. Bochy was, Bochy was good. He was a good public speaker. I mean, in his way. Um, I, I just meant stylistically. I didn't mean in quality. Do you think Bochi would have told the players he was proud of them? Oh, absolutely. But I, in a, I in think a, he would. I think Bochi's a, a, a dad who hugs his kids. Right, but Gabe Kapler's not their dad. He's like their older cousin who buys them beer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was very good. I think I think it's been really tempting in this season to give uh, to uh, you know not know how much credit to give Kapler as opposed to the front office. Um, but I think Kapler deserves a lot of credit because he, I know he made decisions with the bullpen that people got really upset at. Whereas, you know, he put in a reliever who gave up runs, whereas he should have simply given up a reliever who wasn't going to give up runs. And why didn't he figure that out? But, um, he had a really good season and he made a lot of really bold calls that paid off. I don't think you can win 107 games and be a stiff, right? And I don't think these are all just like Farhan texting him saying pinch hit Wilmer. You know, I think I think they did a really good job of communicating their vision between um, Farhan and Harris and uh, Kapler and, and who, whoever else. But I think that Kapler was the guy calling, uh, you know, making the plays and I mean, make, calling the shots in the dugout. And it worked out great. They won 107 games. 
Something I love about Kapler is that his post-game quotes include the reporter's modern, name. modern yeah. baseball terminology. Yeah. As far as like, you know, we sat in a lot of those Bochy pressers and I'm going to come off as like dissing Bochy because I'm not, he's a wonderful manager and a great guy, but you get a lot of baseball platitudes from Bruce Bochy. You get a lot of <laughs> take it one game at a time. And he went out there and we trust him. Kapler's out there being like, well, you know, we liked where his bat path was at. We thought that maybe, you know, his launch angle would improve if he, you know, untied his right shoelace in his third at bat. And it's like, <laughs> dang guy, I'm learning a lot in this post game yeah. interview, which I'm not usually supposed to do. One thing I liked in in Kapler's post-game interviews also is that he would kind of not criticize, but concede when one of his players was not doing something well, you know? And so there'd be a question that's like, you know, wow, you guys have had a lot of rough defense recently or something like that. And he'd be like, yeah, like there were a bunch of games where, you know, like, you know, yeah, like Austin's been having some some difficulty seeing the ball, but, you know, we've been working and, uh, you know, we feel good about it or, you know, something like that, like, he he would admit, and this is kind of comes from co- the confidence of having a super good team. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, he'd have a lot of these like, yeah, you're right. Like this is something that we haven't been doing well, and this is what we're working on. And uh, you know, thank you for asking. So we have been blessed, like we talked about earlier, with basically a week off from baseball. You know, if yes. you want to dip your toe into the AL wild card game, bless your heart. I'm going to watch zero pitches of that game. <laughs> Um, I oh, it ended up as uh, Yankees Red Sox, right? Yankees Red Sox, yeah. Missed Who me with cares? that completely in Fenway. Like, get out of here. Wednesday night, I feel like it's mandatory viewing Cardinals at Dodgers. I feel like you're the boxer three months out from the biggest bout of your life. You got to watch the guys tune up, right? Oh, yeah. No, I'll be there. You're going to LA? <laughs> yes. No, I'll be in St. Louis. I'll just. Uh... <laughs> It's only a four-hour drive from your uh, place. No, that's 80, I'm, I'm not going to go to Dodger Stadium to watch the Cardinals. But um, I thought uh, about going to Yankees Red Sox if it was at, if it was in the Bronx. Yeah, fair enough. Um, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I'll be watching and I'll be rooting for the uh, Cardinals, obviously. But um, I don't know that I can really get my uh, get my ire up for Boston, New York. So I've been interacting with my Dodgers fan friends who are few and who are scolded routinely by me. Um, They fear the St. Louis Cardinals. Like that is their (laughs) boogeyman. I don't feel that way because 2012 and 2014, you know, we TCOB'd with the Cardinals. Yeah, We exercised that demon. Like that is not a franchise that haunts us. It's a franchise that haunts, you know, the Rangers, uh, the Dodgers, a few other teams, you know, teams in their division with their devil magic, but they never got the best of us in our era of watching Giants games. So bring them on. Wainwright, we beat oh, that yeah. guy. We beat that guy Yachty all the time. Molina. Yeah, we get that guy out constantly. <laughs> uh, yeah, Yachty may get in the way of our prolific base stealing game, but um, I mean, it's funny because if you look at the Dodgers, they went four and three against the Cardinals in the regular season. So I don't know why that would be such a bugaboo, but well, it's they've been a stumbling block in this decade of sustained success that they've had between them and getting to and winning the World Series in a way that the Cardinals were for us a stepping stone in two of our three championships. Like when the Cardinals go to sleep at night, they see Marco Scudero in a snow globe getting <laughs> rained on. When the Cardinals go to sleep at night, they see Travis Ishikawa hitting a walk-off three-run homer to send them home. In when I sweet. sleep at night, I see Michael Morse because I'm scared of him. <laughs> he's a very large man and he's very nice. And I don't like those two things combined. Something is wrong. And yet you and I are friends. Mm, you're not as nice as Michael Morse. That's fair. He's got a better arm too. <laughs> um, so actually this got me thinking. So the, the, the Dodgers um, have now won or they had one the NL West eight years in a row. Um, I want to see how well you remember what they did in each of those postseasons. Oh, oh man, this is going to go very poorly. Um, so 2013 Giants did not make the postseason. Um, thanks in large part to the Buster Posey injury. That was in 20 or no 2011. Sorry. Uh, 2013 just sucked. <laughs> uh, it's, it's even your magic odd year bullshit. We know. Exactly. Um, 
do you remember what happened to the Dodgers in uh, 2013? I believe they lost in the NLDS. To? The St. Louis Cardinals. The St. Louis Cardinals yeah. in six games. 2014, uh, the Dodgers were once again the uh, NL West champions. Uh, what happened to them? They lost to the St. Louis Cardinals in the they NLCS. Lost the, okay, actually, I, I misread this. In 2013, they lost in the NLCS mm-hmm. to the Cardinals. In 2014, that was 2013. In 2014, they lost the NLDS to the Cardinals in four games. Um, 2015. They lose to the Mets in the NLCS. They lost to the Mets in the NLDS. Oh, NLDS. Okay. Yeah. Um, 2016. And the Mets would go on to lose the World Series. Uh, 2016, 2016 did they lose to the cubs they lost to the cubs just like we did mm-hmm. um, I'm, be- I'm better at this than i thought i was gonna be 2017 that was in the nlcs by the way 2017 uh did they oh man this is you, you know this they lose to the cardinals <laughs> no this this was their first world series loss oh is this against houston against houston right uh 2019 wait what happened in 2018 that was 2018. What happened in 2017? Uh, I'm not sure there was a 2017. We didn't have one. <laughs> we're gonna do it over. Oh, okay. No, Astros are 2017. Okay. Uh, 2018. I don't know, man. This, this is was their second World Series loss. Oh, to uh, the Bo Sox. Oh yeah, the Red Sox. Oh, I remember that one. I was very yeah. drunk during that World Series. And then 2019. They lost, lost to the eventual champions, Washington Nationals. The Washington Nationals, and then in 2020, no, there was no 2020. Correct. Thank the uh, players went on strike. Very good, very good, Danny. I was testing you there at the end. Right, exactly. So, so yeah, it makes sense. Like you're saying that the Dodgers uh, had eight seasons in a row with uh, making the playoffs or winning the NL West, and. Um, the Cardinals ended their season, I believe that was three times. So, yeah, interesting. Actually, just be, twice. Yeah, just twice. But, I mean, it's the same. We beat them twice. They lost to them twice. Uh, the Giants and Dodgers, as we've mentioned on the show before, and everybody knows, have never played in the playoffs before. And I feel like we're building towards that just never happening. And you I think, think the Giants are, you think the Dodgers are going to lose to the Cardinals? I, you think I mean, Wainwright's going to really carry the don't. bag? I really don't because Scherzer is going to be fresh and he's so good. He's so, so good. good. He's part of the reason the Nationals beat the Dodgers in that series. Yeah. Uh, in, in, in whatever year of our Lord that you decided happened. <laughs> um, a funny tweet I saw today was, uh, um, well, wow. The NL MVP race is going to come down to uh, Turner Soto and Harper uh, and what Harper. And Harper, you know, wow. <laughs> Imagine if those guys could all be on the same team. That team must must be pretty good. <laughs> and now you can add Scherzer to that list too. You know, okay, as, wait. as a Cy Young candidate. Wait, so um, interesting thought here. So if the Dodgers make it through, we get I'll, Walker. I'll be the we, one who decides if this is interesting. Thank you very much. If the Dodgers get through the Cardinals, they overcome yes. the devil magic. We get Walker Bueller in game one, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have to imagine he pitched, he's the number two. He, he pitched today. Who do we get if the Cardinals make it through? They don't have a lot of top line starting pitching. The Cardinals, I don't understand the Cardinals this season. <laughs> They've been very odd. I mean, they won something like 17 in a row. So obviously they're, they're hot, but, um, guys like Jack Flaherty have had like ace like seasons, but haven't really carried it. Uh, haven't really been super consistent. Um, I'm looking at their pitching rotation now. And I mean, Wainwright's their ace. Uh, yeah, Flaherty did finish with a, a good season, 322 ERA. So is that who we get on Friday in um, game one? It would probably be Flaherty. They also have a Korean pitcher named Kwang Young Kim, who finished with a 3.46 ERA. Um, John Gant. I, I, I know Ron John, Gant. <laughs> um, Jay, uh, John Lester's on this team. What it, my, I'd, I would love a series against this team. Oh my God. Miles Nicholas. Miles Nicholas is a guy who is known as the, the lizard King because he once ate a live salamander in during spring training. He just like Wolf of wall street, like housed it. Yeah. He didn't like put a stick through it and fry it up. He just like swallowed a lizard. I believe he ate a live lizard, just ate it, just swallowed it. 
Um, I mean, their bullpen's pretty good too, but yeah, I mean, they just, it would be very surprising. I mean, if, if these Cardinals end up beating these Dodgers, it would be a coup. Like it would be ridiculous. And, you know, anything can happen in a playoff series, obviously that like the Cardinals could go all the way. There's nothing saying they couldn't, especially, I mean, again, we saw how hot they had been, but it would be very odd. It'd be very surprising. We should also mention that the Giants probably going forward will not have Brandon Belt in the NLDS. We, nothing yeah. is certain, but it looks likely that that's not going to happen. However, the Dodgers, being the nice folks that they are, uh, convinced Clayton Kershaw's forearm to tighten up, and his status is unknown going forward and likely will be out as well. And then well as, today, yeah. Max Muncie blows out his wrist on a play at first base, and he's likely out as well. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, both teams are going to be shorthanded. Um, I don't know how well the Dodgers can fill that gap. I mean, I know that they, at the time, put Albert Pujols in. Um, My understanding is that Pujols has played almost not at all against lefties um, since uh, joining the Dodgers, which is probably best for all involved. Um, So I don't know what they're going to do in that situation. Um, But uh, you know, whereas the Giants were able to fill that with pretty much playing rough or Flores at first every day. Or Wade. Wade plays some first. He did earlier. Yeah. I have I don't think he's played first since the injury, but that is obviously something they could do again. I, I think the Dodgers are are and then, sorry, let me you. correct myself. Uh Pujols is right-handed and has faced almost no righties, but he has faced Correct. A lot of lefties. We, we struggle with these things. We hold out our hands to see which one the L is, to figure <laughs> out which hand and which direction to turn in the car. Um, I think the Dodgers are well-constructed enough that they have enough star power to get them through rounds of the playoffs. But Max Muncy would, would have been super solid to have in the middle of that lineup for them. So yeah. that's, that, that's a gaping hole when you think about their potential. Max Muncy... Um, just to get existential here for a second, oh, Max let's, Muncy, get, let's get Cody Bellinger about Max Muncy. Let's go. <laughs> um, something that bothers me with all this, like, where did the giants come from thing? Um, it feels like everybody just accepted that Max Muncy's good now and that he was always good. And that all it required was for the Dodgers to figure that out and sign him. Whereas when the giants are able to take a guy like Montway jr, who was not all that well thought of, before the season or a guy like Darren Ruff and have those guys turn into very good players, not, you know, Muncie level. Um, it's seen as, you know, the cheating lab and devil magic and stuff and, and luck. Luck is a big one. Um, why, why is that? Justin Turner played his way off of two major league teams. Right. He's another good example. The guys where when the Dodgers did it, everyone went, Oh yeah, the Dodgers are good at that. And when the giants did it, it's cheating. Well, it's because are we talking about Dodger fans talking? Or are we talking about other fans and media members from other fan bases? Uh, probably more just like Dodger reply guys. But overall, well, obviously, it's, it's annoying. Obviously, when it when it happens to you, it's skill, and when it happens to someone else, it's luck or cheating. I mean, that's just right. You know, you've played pool with somebody. You know, you get a little hot, and they're like, "Oh, you were super lucky," and it's like, "Yeah, maybe." And play again yeah <laughs> i think playing again is where i get myself in trouble right and that's probably what will happen that's my fear with the giants is that we'll end up in a series with the dodgers and we'll have run out of uh, luck pellets <laughs> i mean like it's it's very tempting to think um that the giants are gonna just show up at the playoffs and they forgot their bat and you know they'll never get a hit again because we've seen We've seen games where the Giants just didn't show up. And we've seen a few games in a row sometimes where they just didn't show up. But they won 107 fucking games. Like, that's not luck. I mean, some of those are luck, but it's uh, but it's a collection of generally doing the right thing and doing it well. Uh, <clears throat> that it, as a whole ended up as a fantastic historical season. So why why are we worried about, you know, that tomorrow, like there was so, there was so much hand wringing on Twitter and I didn't disagree with them, 
that if we go to the world, if we go to the wild card game, we're fucked because remember that one game three weeks ago, <laughs> the, the one sandwiched by nine game win streaks where the Giants couldn't get a hit. And it's like, yeah, I remember that too. But well, it's more just that nobody likes a, a, a do or die game. Like it's it's impossible to predict. It's impossible to feel good about. Did you feel great going into today? I didn't. No, not and, at all. I, and I we even nauseous. had an out. We even had a, a second scenario where if we didn't win, it could still be good. That and doesn't a third exist. Scenario. And then a third and fourth scenario. And that doesn't exist in the wild card game. There's no backup plan. There's no help from other teams. There's just the Padres rolling over again and again and again. I hate the Padres. Except against the Giants. I hate them. Do you think the level of animosity between the Giants and the Padres will ever, you know, get above just a a, a slow burn? I like, think do you think the Padres? The- do you think the Padres are gonna like? I mean, wh- where do they go from here? Like th- this was the year <laughs> when they they won the world, they won the off season, they signed all these guys, they got you Darvish, they got Blake Snell, um, and I mean the team just horribly underperformed, and that's despite the superstars playing well. Um, are they going to load up on veterans again? Are they going to try to rebuild? Or I mean, are they going to back up the Brinks truck and bring Bochi back? The Padres are like me when I was a kid in a choose-your-own-adventure book. <laughs> I kept doing different you things. You just kept hitting yourself over the head with the book instead of playing the game? No, I kept thinking that if I made the right decision, I would end up winning the book. Like, oh, I found the best ending. Turns out those books are just depressing. Yep. All of the endings are bad. That's did how I it's tell like you that I, uh, did I ever tell you that I had a choose your own adventure Holocaust book? It was, oh, you'd like to flee to Germany. You'd like to, you know, flee to France to try to escape the Germans. Skip to page 185. It was very dark. Zarchi's choice. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on. Yeah. So the Padres. I can't move on. <laughs> I don't know what happened to that book. I'm glad I don't have it anymore. Never, never again, Danny. Oh, my goodness. I had to tell a New Yorker the other day what year 9-11 happened. That was fun. Mm. You can cut this from the show, but. (laughs) How old was this person? Uh, 30. Okay. So alive during 9-11. Yeah, alive. All right. Anyway, the Padres, you know, it looks like they're firing Jace Tingler, which is still a name that I don't believe exists. Um. Are they going to be better or worse than uh, this year, next year? Are they going to be a 500? Oh, absolutely. The Padres will be better next year than they are this year, just based on luck factors, like starting pitching, getting hurt, um, and just, I don't know, just overall having a bad juju season. I'm not worried about next year, Danny. It's still this year. Stop trying to make the offseason happen. (laughs) All right, fine. Um, So let's rank the rotation going into the NLDS. Um, the top three, I think, without contest, are Gosman, Disclafani, and Webb. Dominic um, Well, and it. Well, okay, we'll talk about that. If 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 you're if you're picking a three man rotation, everyone's rested. Um, what's your what's your rotate? Oh, we talk about this every episode. Uh, Webb, Gosman, Disclafani. Okay. Does the fact that w- would the fact that it's against the Dodgers? at all dissuade you from using Disclafani? No. Even though they've crushed him this season? No. Okay. Um, and we've talked about this a bit. So I actually do want to talk about something that we've talked about off the air, but uh, has to do with bullpen use. So Tyler Rogers, overall, very, very good season. Um, but his splits between the ninth inning and the not ninth inning are absurd. Um, Do you uh, put any stock in that at all? Or how does it inform how you think Kapler should use him in the playoffs? I mean, he shouldn't be in the ninth inning. I'm fine with that. I I also don't see a scenario where he has to be in the ninth inning. You know, Jake McGee's coming back. Camilo Doval is a supernova. There's no scenario where you look at, you say, we have to have Tyler Rogers and it just happens to be the ninth inning. Like that's not, it's not going to happen. Okay. But I want to go back to the first part of that question. Um, 
do you so looking at Tyler Rogers numbers uh he's had a negligible number of innings in the 6th and 7th innings in the 8th inning his this season he had a 1.24 ERA in the ninth inning he had a 5.24 ERA um do you think those numbers are real or do you think they're just noise or do, yeah. do you think those numbers are predictive at all or do you think they're just noise I think they're noise, but I would not tempt it. I, I would not put him in the ninth inning. Okay. I think I think both of those things can be true. I think that I can believe in my heart of hearts that they're noise, but I can also decide not to do it out of just general fear and superstition. Even if they are, you know, just noise, I, I think there's also a chance that they might be in his head. Some noises are loud. <laughs> exactly. You have to quiet the mechanism. Um but I think that it could also affect his confidence um, if he has been routinely crushed in the ninth inning, even if there isn't any sort of like statistical reason why that would be the case. But what I'm trying to say is that they don't need him in the ninth inning. So like this, this probably isn't even going to come up. Yeah. Uh, but okay. Let's talk about Camilo Duvall. So this kid, like you said, he's a supernova. Um, he had come up earlier in the season, uh, had some control problems, didn't pitch very well. Uh, went back to the minors and came back, uh, um, and he has just been phenomenal. Uh, tell me what you see when you look at uh, Camilo Duvall, who, by the way, is 23 um, uh, from the Dominican Republic and can throw 103 miles an hour. I, I also see all of those things that you just mentioned uh, when I watch him perform. I see the name on the back of his jersey, his number. Um, when he first came back up uh, for his second stint with the team, I told you I was ready to ride the roller coaster every time he came in the game. I was ready to watch him blow a guy away and then hit the backstop with a pitch in the next uh, for the next batter. He ironed all of that out almost immediately after I said that. And it has not been a roller coaster. It has been the log ride. It has been <laughs> fun and smooth and you small little, world. You get a little wet, but like, you know, in a good way. Just behind the ears, you know, just a little bit, just to let you know you've been on a ride. Um, so it's been so a whole different experience. Let's look at the numbers a little bit. He's pitched. This is since he came back up on September 5th. Um, so first of all, in his first 13 outings, he finished with a 7.59 ERA. He came back up in mid-August and pitched two scoreless innings, which brought his ERA down to 6.39. Um, and then he came up again on September 5th and between September 5th and the end of the season, he had uh, 14 and a third innings pitched seven hits, three walks, 20 strikeouts and uh, zero runs. He finished with a, with a zero ERA and an opposing batting average of 143 with an opposing OPS of 356. That's OPS. Yeah. Yeah. He's been Mariano. He's been, Mar he's been Mariano Rivera for the last month. Um, you know, he throws strikes. He, he's a two pitch pitcher. He throws these, these wild fastballs and just a killer slider. And it's just been carving up hitters. What I'm really glad about is that he came up so late that there's not as much tape on him as there would be if he'd been pitching all season or for the previous few seasons. And guys haven't had as many at bats against him as you'd say, if you had a typical closer by the end of the season, you play a team 18, 19 times, guys are going to get a lot of looks against, you know, McGee throughout yeah. the season or, uh, you know, giants get good looks at Kenley Jansen all the time. The Dodgers, the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Braves, they haven't had a ton of looks against Doval and that's an advantage for him. Right? No, exactly. I mean, so since he came up, he pitched one game, uh, one in the third innings against the Dodgers um, has not placed the, uh, has not, um, faced the uh, Cardinals at all. He did face the uh, Braves, right? So but I mean, I'm just saying not. I'm just saying not in a high volume. Like I right. said, you know, the Giants see Kenley Jansen, you know, every time they go to the mailbox, and they, uh, you know, hit a home run against them. Well, you know, the mailbox had to come right. So is is he your closer going forward? Does he get the first shot? I think that he does. Uh, I don't think McGee did anything wrong other than get injured at an inopportune time. But well, I, don't I mean, the finest of us get Wally pipped. I, I've been waiting for you to get Wally pipped the entire 10 years <laughs> of this show. So. All right. So let's let's do let's rank the bullpen again. Let's do you can do tiers if you want. Um, who's your who's your upper your top shelf? T 
tears is not a word I want to use with the bullpen. I mean, that's just an tears for fears. All right. Yeah. Give me your top shelf liquors, your middle, your middle and your well. (laughs) My top shelf liquors uh, are uh, Rogers and Doval. Okay. That's it. That's its own tier. Eighth and ninth specifically or respectively. Uh, Next below that is uh, McGee and Leon. Okay. Um, there's another shelf below that, which I think is just Tito's. It's just like a whole <laughs> tastes like hands bunch of bunch of Tito's. I hate Tito's, but I know people like it. So, uh, that's where I would throw your, your Alvarez's, your, your Harlan's, um, Latell, uh, you know, Tony Watson. He's not healthy though. Right. Um, and I would kind of put Jake McGee in that group right now, only because we haven't seen what he looks like back from his injury but I think he definitely has potential to reestablish himself as that next tier below Doval and Rogers. And if he pitches really well, you know, I'll throw him back in uh, with that top shelf. Yeah. I think that's, did I, did I miss anybody? Kervin? Um, I, I, I mean, hope Jay Jackson on the roster. Yeah. Kervin. Yeah. Is, Trey uh, Jackson's kind of fallen out of favor. It seems like he just got called back up. Um, yeah. His ERA is a little higher. Although he's also got the wicked slider and the good strikeout rate. Um, I don't have a ton of faith in Littell. I mean, he had a couple games in a row where he gave up a home run right away as soon as he came in. Uh, <laughs> Does it matter not, when they come? Does it matter confidence. if the home runs come early or late? Does it matter? It, it doesn't inspire confidence when it's like the first <laughs> pitch that you throw. Um, Hunter Strickland-itis. I think I would probably agree. Um, I might put Leon on the same tier as uh rogers and doval and what's uh, his first name daniel <laughs> dominic uh okay. no sense. relation to sergio leone so i'm gonna go uh leone uh doval rogers and leone all on the same tier um and then second tier is probably uh mcgee garcia alvarez um and then uh latell maybe by himself and then jackson and castro a little bit below that Alvarez has done such a great job of me not being able to remember what he looks like. <laughs> I mean, like, he's, I've, he's I've had seen, a great year. I've seen him pitch dozens of times. Couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Wouldn't know him sitting at the bar, like would not recognize him. That's fair. Uh, for me, um, I had not actually seen Caribbean Castro in uh, on TV. I think I had listen to a whole like week's worth of games on the radio or something like that because we kept playing the dang padres (laughs) probably and uh and he pitched a bunch and we even talked about him on the podcast um and and then i watched a game and i was like who is that you're gonna tell me you ran into him at the grocery store and you like didn't know who he was he's like i'm Uh, kirby and castro he's so, so new in his career that he actually shops for himself so for me, I can remember him because he looks like Russ Ortiz. So I'm just like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's the guy who kind of looks like Russ Ortiz. Interesting. I think he's got like a wider face than Russ Ortiz. Well, yeah, kind of like how uh, one of the people on Twitter today described uh, Logan Webb as Matt Cain, but the aspect ratio is broken. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I can see that. Um, all right, so coming up. Uh, so, Thomas, the Giants have uh, one game between now and Friday. Uh, they have one? No, we- I, I, I was joking about doing the uh, you know prediction game here. Oh, but let, I thought let's they were. Predict... I, I thought they were going to play in your uh, your beer league softball league with you. I thought they were going. No, that'd be fun though. Um, so there are two games coming up uh, in the wild card games. Um, let's make our picks. I know you don't oh. care. Oh no, but... I care. I already put my picks online. Um, I took the Yankees over the Red Sox, okay. and I took the Dodgers over the Cardinals. I will uh, pick the opposites of you in both games you're going red you're going all red i'm going all red red socks red, birds and red socks yeah okay um and then we'll we'll record more maybe we can do every week so we can talk about the playoffs but between now and then we're gonna have a couple playoff games um how do you think the giants do in their first two playoff games not well if it's walker bueller in game one <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair enough all I right. Think, I think a home split would be a victory if it's the Dodgers. And I think a home split would be a failure if it's the Cardinals. See, that's interesting because they always say that a home split is what you're shooting for on the road. Or I mean, a, a split 
is what you're shooting for on the road. So home split is usually considered a loss. But I have no fear of the back end of the Cardinals rotation. That's fair. All right. Or, well, or Wainwright. I actually I don't fear any of the Cardinals pitchers. Zero of them. I fear Wainwright, but um, yeah, yeah, I really hope the Cardinals win that game. Webster anyway, um, we'll let you all get to sleep now. Uh, I'll let you get to sleep now too, Thomas. It's 2 a.m. where you are. Yes, sir. Um, but he's Thomas Todd. I'm Danny Zarchi. Do not follow us on social media unless unless you want incessant Giants blather. But if you do want that, who am I to stop you? He's Giants Todd. I'm Giants Pod, like podcast. And uh, we'll, yeah, we'll be back. We will... Uh, Maybe try to do a little more than every two weeks with the playoffs going on. And uh, so we'll see you soon. Season could be over within two weeks. Go Giants. (laughs) 